G'day guys, before we jump into this week's episode, I've got a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you want to keep fit and healthy, sign up to Minifit Online today and get six weeks free. 15-minute bodyweight workouts, no equipment needed. Train with Anthony Minicello from the comfort of your own home. Just use coupon code THECHANGEROOM. That's THECHANGEROOM when you sign up and get six weeks free. Just head to minifit.com.au. This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to the Change Room Podcast, a whiff of well-being with Minnie and Matt. Minnie, today's guest, I mean, man, her skill set's amazing. We're joined by Cassie Mendoza-Jones. She's a kinesiologist, homeopathist, a dietitian, and on the list goes. But it's not that that impresses me about her. It's her understanding of the whole human. I can't wait, Maddie. Cassie sure has a unique take on things, and I found after this discussion, I still had tons of questions, even though we'd finished. Yeah, mate, we could have chatted for hours and hours, but what I do know for sure is that there'll be topics in this that resonate with our listeners. So let's just step into the change room right now and give Cassie Mendoza-Jones a whiff of well-being. Today on the Change Room Podcast, with a Wellbeing with Minnie and Matt, we're joined by Cassie Mendoza-Jones. Now, Cassie is a best-selling author, a kinesiologist, a business alignment coach, a naturopath, a writer, and a speaker. Wow, sounds impressive. <laughs> You're right, Minnie. She is absolutely impressive, mate. And when you see the entrepreneurs who are really driven to achieve things in life that she works with, the impact that she has on individuals is pretty mind-blowing, mate. And the way that she does it not only creates better lives, but better businesses as well. Thanks so much for joining us today, Cassie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So firstly, Cassie, What's the one thing you've already done today to elevate your health and well-being? Well, I um, got up with my daughter. My daughter's 18 months old. My hubby was already out um, and we, we went for a walk down the road and we met my husband, Nick, um, at a cafe and we all had a coffee and a croissant. And that just started, I think, all of our days off really beautifully. So that's definitely what came to mind. I'm really keen to learn about how you merge your academic background in kinesiology into sort of business coaching as well. So there's probably this two-part question and also your nutritional background um, from your own point of view and your family and, and what you teach uh, in yeah. the business world as well. Yeah. So, well, I think it's important to know I started as a nutritionist and uh, and then I added in naturopathy. So this began purely with looking at people's nutrition and their and their health and well-being from that perspective. Mm. Um, but I always wanted to do herbal medicine. I love the energetics of the herbs as well yeah. as just like clinically what they would be used for. So I started to combine my work with nutrition and naturopathy. And then very quickly, I realized I wanted to be able to help people on another um, I don't want to say deeper because I don't want to undermine the purely nutritional and herbal medicine because it's beautiful as it is, but I wanted to go to a different level with the kinesiology. So mm. for those listening who don't know what kinesiology is, one of the best ways to explain it, which is actually what one of my mentors, they explained this to me, 
it's imagine a combination of chiropractics and acupuncture. So it's a way of balancing the body using ideas and, and philosophies behind that, but without the cracking and without the needles. So you use muscle testing to tap into someone's subconscious and to basically like speak to their body to find out what their body is needing in order to shift, to let go of things, to move forward, to clear um, stress pathways and to find a sense of ease, a sense of calm or whatever it is that the person is working towards. So I added that in initially into my business so I could help people who were maybe eating all the right foods or trying to eat the right foods or do the right thing, but they were coming up against so many mindset blocks and mental hurdles, which when you're explaining the change room idea, that to me, it's, it's, it's a mindset shift. It's like you walk mm. in as one person and you come out as another. And so the kinesiology for me, that's what that helps you do. You walk into the room feeling like one version of yourself and you leave feeling like a better or a version that feels closer to your true self. And then to add in the business, I've always loved I've always loved business. I did business for my HSC and I um, almost topped the class. Well, I was... I hate saying this, but I was the top girl. Like, I think that's so silly, but that's, that's how the um, mm. information came down. Yeah. But I love business, my family, everyone, pretty much everyone either has started their own business or runs their own business. I come from a very business and entrepreneurial family. So I somehow gradually started to work with more and more entrepreneurs and small business owners and creatives and writers and my work very organically. And then on purpose shifted from looking at only the, the physical stuff that was going on for a client and then helping them actually to work in their businesses in a different way to clear mindset blocks and still looking at their health. Like we can't be the best version of ourselves in our work if we're exhausted and tired and sluggish mm. and stressed. So you might come to a session with me and I'll give you, and we'll do business strategy and we'll do some mindset shifting and block clearing. But also I'll tell you, um, this might be a better, here's some herbs that you might want to take so mm. maybe you should add this into your lifestyle and maybe you should let this go so that you can be the most vibrant, energized, clear thinking version of yourself. Yeah. So that's how it, that's really how it all has been yeah. combined. How, how did you get into kinesiology from the start? And, you know, for people that sort of don't know too much about it, maybe talk us through how you actually do it and how do you, how do you see blockages in someone? Yeah. So I, I think I first got into kinesiology. I think I'd just been through a breakup and this guy found just by literally tap, um, holding my, my arm and tapping mm. my arm. I'm, I'm kind of lifting it up high so you guys can see, but he, he would, he worked out things that were stressing my body, things that I couldn't even have consciously brought to the fore. Like I couldn't have said to you, yes, that is the thing that is leading to this, which is leading to that, which is leading to that, mm. which is making me feel like this. And I just found it absolutely fascinating. And I went on after high school to actually study makeup artistry. I lived in Canada for a year. I came back and I worked in the hair and, and makeup and beauty industry for years. I think I just always kept kinesiology in the back of my mind as something that I found fascinating, but I never thought that I would end up studying it. And then when I started to do the nutrition, as I said, I wanted to go deeper. So I, it came back to me and I was like, this is something that I just feel so drawn to. And in terms of how you, how I practice it, every kinesiologist is going to practice in a slightly different way. It's like anything, you mm. find your own little groove and your own little way, but there are, there are specific balances that you might do. Um, and as an, as an example, it might be that you um, muscle test your client. They come to you with one specific problem and you set a goal together, or you can think of it as a positive affirmation. So mm. let's say someone's feeling stressed about their business 
a goal that we might create together is I um, I feel clear and aligned towards my work or I feel connected to my purpose. And we always phrase the goal in a positive and present tense. We would never say, maybe one day I'll feel clear and on mm. purpose. It's like, mm-hmm. I am clear, I am purposeful and connected to myself. It could be something as simple as I love what I do. And then using muscle testing. So I muscle test the client in person. I actually work online now. I have been working online for four years. So pre-COVID times, my business was moved online, but I muscle test myself on behalf of my clients. So I would literally be talking to a client like this and under the table, they probably can't see because of Mm. the desk. I'm muscle testing my own um, for my client, um, which is called surrogating. So I'm essentially doing it for the purpose of of the session. So you're pressing your muscle? Yeah, I'm pressing, yeah. yeah. So it'd literally be like if I if I said here, show me um, show me a yes, show me a no. Mm. So it's like the, your your muscle will actually move down, and that's not when you look at it first. You're like you're just pushing your arm down, but mm. it's the most amazing thing when you have a session or you see someone working. A muscle will lock, um, and you can set it up different ways, but the muscle might lock on on the positive and then lock on the or the negative so i would say mm. let's say i found the goal i would just do this you can see my arm and the goal was i'm connected to my business or i'm connected to my purpose and then let's say we find an emotion that is is blocked in relation to that goal so we'd look down an emotion chart and we'd say is the emotion fear stress anxiety um, happiness, sadness, confusion. Okay. So now I say to the client, what's making you feel confused about this? And then we talk and then we might find there's all different ways that you might balance the body. So it might be that another affirmation comes up. It could be an Oracle card or an affirmation card that comes up. It could be an essence. It could be music, sound, color. It could be something that the client has to do. So it might be something very, very tangible or very, something very practical that the client has to go away Mm. or has to, even just talk through in the session to clear the blocks. Um, and, but yeah, you use, you use the muscle, you use the body to tell you what the body needs. And I remember I found it so fascinating when, uh, when I was studying, cause you have specific tools and, and specific things in a folder that you learn. So you might mm. have 10 balances that you've just learned and you might have one emotion chart. And I remember saying to my teacher, what happens if I don't have that specific emotion chart and I'm seeing my client and I only have this emotion chart. Like what if what the client needs isn't in my room? Mm. And my teacher said, whatever the client needs for the balance will already be in that room for you. The synchronicities that flow into a session with kinesiology are absolutely mind blowing. And that's the thing you have to be open. The way I explain it to a client and I've, I've only ever had one client who you could tell she was so in her mind about what was going on that she couldn't flow mm. with the session. Well, that, that was going to be my couldn't. next question, yeah. Like, you know, when you yes. talk with business <laughs> leaders or strong personalities or any any type of leader that is set in their way and is focused yeah. on some sort certain job, yeah. they certainly might have blockages, but are they open to this? That's the thing. I had I set a really clear intention when I started working as a kinesiologist. I want to see clients who I can help them. It's for their highest good to come and see me. But also, um, I don't want to have to prove what I do. I'm happy to explain it as much mm. as someone needs. But that was something that I just felt really strongly about. Uh, and I used to get so nervous when someone would ask me what kinesiology was or what kinesiologists did. Like my heart would race and I'm like, how do I explain this thing to you? Because it feels like trying to explain the internet. Like how do I, how does one email get from your computer to mine? Like, and I can't see it. And that's actually an analogy that I use. Like I don't understand email, but I trust that my email will get from my account mm. to yours when I send it. And that's how, that is one way to just open up to thinking about energy, energy work, 
um, and trusting that your body knows the answers and people who aren't open to it, I say come for one session or, or try, just try it without any preconceived ideas or any expectations and take the mind out of it because the mind is what's and it's the same with most things if you can switch off the mind or bypass some of the thinking and connect with your body and connect with your breath and connect with your energy and your intuition it's such a beautiful way to clear blocks and to, and mm. to find that flow in your life again so that's my invitation when clients come to me and it doesn't happen because my intention is so clear on I want to help it's my purpose to help people who are open to it. I'm not here to prove to you that I can help you, yeah. but there has to be a level of trust within yourself and obviously with the practitioner. Must admit, Cassie, I've, I've done kinesiology, but I've never done it um, in a surrogate fashion. So that would be interesting to experience. But yeah. I've also had my own experience where I got diagnosed by a doctor over the phone who Leon Naxon put me onto, and it hmm. I've been having blood tests for over six weeks, and no one could actually work out what disease I had. And right. this this guy went through the same process. It's not until you've actually experienced it that you go, my goodness, how you know, a hmm. little bit like the email analogy as you said I don't know how that worked but thank god it did so you know it's it's you know, congratulations for having that capacity to be able to do that when we're sitting here not in the same place at online that's a that's a that's an amazing skill to have i guess a lot of the observations of modern society and around these blockages that that you're talking about particularly emotional blockages is it's called this thing called mental health right <laughs> That's the uh, terminology that they use around it, and it obviously has massive impacts on personal well-being and and the people that are that are around you. And one of the things that uh, people with my accent and my gender and my hair colour tend mm. to have around this is denial. Right. And again, I could be in denial about what you just shared about doing kinesiology over online. Right. What are the decisions I can make right now to change? my viewpoint on this? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is if something hasn't been working for you, what's, what do you have to lose by trying something new? And I think it comes down to, again, it's, it's, um, so when I was studying naturopathy, a lot of people call it alternative medicine. Oh, it's alternative. Mm. It's, it's, but actually it's the traditional medicine. It's, Hmm, um, and I have nothing against Western, like I love Western medicine, you know, Western Medicine saves lives every day. Um, and I think it can work beautifully together with tr- sure. traditional medicine. But yeah. the, I remember learning that and just, it was like a flip, um, a switch was was, fl- was flicked. And I thought, how interesting that we, in society, we, we still call herbal medicine alternative, but mm. most of the world's existence, that was the only medicine. And I think so many people don't realize how many medicines have been, you know, synthesized and then like the synthetic version has been patented, but the original was from a plant. Yeah. And <laughs> so I think that if we can just see how much nature supports us and how good we feel, if you just go to the park and you take your shoes off and you take a breath, yeah. it feels like there's such a big jump to do from doing that to doing um, kinesiology or acupuncture or taking herbs, but it's different forms of balancing your energy and connecting to yourself and connecting to the earth. So it's just about being open to it. And another thing that I think is important is that if you do try an, in air quotes, alternative therapy and it doesn't resonate for you for whatever reason, that doesn't mean that that therapy is not for you. It 
could mean that you didn't connect with that practitioner or, um, you know, there's someone else that you need to see or there's you need to go again. Like sometimes there can be a little bit of a healing crisis, again, in air quotes, when you start to do the work, that you know, that inner work where it can, things can feel worse for a minute. Um, and going back in, there's a beautiful quote that I actually opened my latest book with by Marcus Aurelius. And he wrote, dig inside yourself. Inside there is a spring of goodness ready to gush at any moment if you keep digging. That last little line that is the important part, it's if you keep digging. There's no point digging Mm. once. Yeah, there's no point digging once and being like, cool, Mm -hmm. I've I've cleared that block. It's like brushing your teeth. We do it every day. It's Mm -hmm. little bits of emotional and spiritual maintenance, I think, support, not I think, I know support us on such deep levels. Yeah, and again, that's, it cuts across all our capacities, physical, mental and emotional and spiritual, if you like. Is this like you don't get fit once, do you? Mm-hmm. you know, exactly. You, you have to keep working at it when that makes makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. In, in the area that, that we're starting to delve into, when accessing my best self, which is available mm-hmm. to, to us all the time, right, they're decisions that we need to make, in that decision-making process, w- w- what are the, your fundamentals in, in tapping into that? I think the first thing is, I was actually thinking about it before when I was preparing for our interview this morning and I thought, part of my brain was like, I need to do anything to get ready. Like, as I said to you, I was like, I don't, like, what what questions will there be, whatever. And then another part of my brain just said, all you need is your breath. And that's what I thought as I was walking from one part of my apartment to the other to, to get ready for today. All I need is my breath. And if I can simply connect with my breath, then I, I can access all the answers that I need. And if you're hearing that and you're new to this, you're probably thinking, Cassie is like, what has she drunk this morning? Like, that's not, I can't connect. I can't that was understand a strong that. coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what did they put in that croissant? But I think, but I know that when you can access your breath, you connect with your body, you can bypass some of that ego monkey mind. Um, and, and that is the first step, being able to just come back to your body because we so often don't listen to our bodies. We listen mm. to our mind only and our mind will tell us there's a really good way a mentor of mine, um, Samantha Nolan Smith guided me to this understanding. Let's say you ask yourself a question about something that you're confused about or you want clarity on. Your mind is going to give you a really long answer that probably has a lot of stress and drama and questions and fear. And, um, and that can often be what we think is the answer or the con- continuation of the confusion. Whereas when you can connect with your body and your breath, if you ask the same question, you're going to get a really short and simple and grounded answer. And it might be something like what happened with me when I was walking down the hallway thinking, what do I need? My mind could have said, you, you don't know the questions. You haven't done this. What about if that happens? What about it? And my body just said, just your breath. So you can ask yourself, what do I need? Or what's the next step? And take the, the first answer, which is the monkey mind answer and put it to the side and then go deeper. And, and it's what our mate Marcus Aurelius said, dig deeper. So what's the next thing that you need? Oh, it's my breath. Oh, it's yoga. Oh, I just need to have a cup of tea and sit on the couch. Oh, I need to do some writing to like clear that or whatever it is. But the first step to accessing your your true self, your greater self, mm. your deeper self is to come back to your body. Well, I can tell you that your um, your answer worked t- this morning, so your, your, your <laughs> breath is working for you. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'd like to extend that that question just a touch more. Mm. Is you're obviously someone committed to healing other people. You're a mum, you're a partner. How does 
our personal state affect the state of other people that we share our space with? So I'm sitting here talking to you, and if I was like, oh, okay, and anyway, Cassie, it's been really great interviewing you, and uh, what do you? So how does that? What responsibility do we need to take for our state and the the way it impacts you know people that we care for or we're trying to impact? I think we need to. That an analogy of you've got to put the um, oxygen mask on you first. Even mm. though your instinct would be to put it on other people, but I, it's been highlighted for me, especially as a mum. The more that I feel yeah, content within myself, grounded within myself, able to be you know well nourished in, in on all different planes within myself, I can extend that to my daughter. And I remember when I dropped her off to I think it was a grandparent for one of the first times when she was really little and I was so sad and nervous about it like we've she doesn't even go to daycare yet she's 18 months like she's with me most of the time with you know she's Mm. got a lovely nanny and lots of grandparents and family around but I was so nervous that I burst into tears when I was leaving and sad that I wasn't gonna be with her for that morning and apparently she was very upset for a lot of the time and when I picked her up she was crying and I remember I was telling my mom and my mom was like well, she probably felt your stress and your sadness. So mm. she was actually probably not even worried for herself. She was trying to look after you. So she was sad to look and wanted to make sure that you were okay. Um, and we never think of it from just on a side note in terms of it being like that with children and babies, but our energy absolutely affects those around us. And, you know, on the flip side, if someone around you is, you can feel that you aren't vibing with their energy. There are so many ways that you can not switch off from that, but protect yourself from that, which we can go through. But it's, it is important to know that your energy will impact and affect those around you. And not to say one needs to be perfect all the time because that doesn't exist. Yeah. Perfect mom, the perfect partner, the perfect friend, it doesn't exist, but you have to take care of yourself so that you can take care of other people because our boundaries and and the way we care for ourselves, it doesn't just teach people it teaches people how how you want to be cared for as well as well as how you can care for them and yourself. So how do we protect ourselves? Like I got to hang around Minnie all the time. So it's, <laughs> it's like I got to put a wall up sometimes because he's just all that like such negative stuff coming out of him. <laughs> Give me some tips, Cassie, please. Well, a wall is not a bad idea, but instead of a wall, uh, I would suggest a bubble. A, a bubble. bubble. Yeah. So yep. you can. Um, and you can almost, not almost, you can actually with your arms physically like push yourself in a bubble, <laughs> you know, like draw it with your arms. Mm, just, um, yeah. yeah, put yourself in a bubble. You don't need to do it with your arms, but you to- totally can. And then you could always, when you get home, like, oops, just almost off my teeth, you could un- <laughs> unzip the bubble. <laughs> mm. So one way is to, is to put yourself in a bubble and and almost, um, it could be, a, you could imagine it to be mirrored. So if someone is, you know, someone's kind of throwing stuff at you, you just, with love, imagine it reflecting off your bubble and bouncing back onto them. Um, or I once had a client who actually said that she envisioned, instead of it bouncing back onto the person, it bounced into the earth and the earth absorbed it and transmuted it into something else. She she told me that she got quite upset at the thought of like bouncing it back onto the person who was stressed because they don't mean to be putting it onto you, which I understand. But either way, it's for you to not take on. You can also imagine yourself, imagine you're wearing a jacket with a zip up the front. You just energetically zip yourself up three times. That's really helpful. Mm. And a nice way to think of that is imagine you're just walking outside and it's windy. What's the first thing you do if you're wearing a jacket? You zip yourself up to protect yourself. So there's a central, our central meridian line runs up and down the front of our body. So 
a one way to protect our energy is to do that zipping up. So you kind of go from navel, from belly button up to just under your chin. Um, and that's really lovely. And uh, another thing that I love to do, and I do this after client sessions, especially because they're online, is I rinse my wrists under cool water in the sink. Mm. And I just say clear. I say clear, clear, clear. And I say it usually three times for each wrist. So that's just a nice way. We often hold a lot of energy and tension in our hands and wrists. And putting them under cool running water, it doesn't matter what temperature, but running water and you envision the water running, you know, taking any energy that isn't yours and running and washing it away can be really helpful as well. That's excellent. Some great tips there. I love I love all those. Uh, what about the comparison trap? You you talk about that yeah. quite a bit. A lot of people compare themselves to others and oh, I want what they have and all that type of stuff. Can you elaborate a bit further on that? Yeah, sure. So I, um, yeah, my first book is called You Are Enough and it's a huge, a huge part of the book is about helping people to mm. release themselves from the comparison trap and to trust their enoughness. And, uh, I talk about different ways that we compare ourselves to others and, some of the ways that I think we don't even realize is of course, you know, that you might compare yourself to someone else to where they, where they are, or as you said, to what they have or Mm. to who they are. But we also, I have found compare ourselves to this like shiny, perfect potential version of ourselves in the future, which is just another way that we put incredibly high expectations on ourselves. So we think, well, if I was better, if I did this, if I'd done mm. that, if I hadn't done that, coulda, woulda, shoulda, oh, well, I would be there. And it's it's another way that we compare ourselves to, and, and by doing so, we don't accept where we are. We don't accept who we are. And if we can't do that, if we can't accept who we are, we can't actually make the changes that we want to make to get to where we want to be or to, mm. or to just enjoy where we are right now. So one of the first things to do with, in terms of comparison, well, there are lots of ways to clear it. One of the things I love to invite people to do is to write a letter to the person to whom they're comparing themselves. So it might not be something that you ever send. You might feel very uncomfortable sending that letter, mm. but just writing it out and, and spinning it in a really positive, loving way. So beaming love to that person instead of feeling agitated by their success or their whatever it is that's triggering you. So you might say, dear so-and-so, I feel so inspired by you. Seeing what you're doing makes me want to do the same thing. And by writing it out, you actually connect with the version of you who sees what that person has and knows that because you see it, it's possible for you too. Mm. There are lots of people in the world that you don't compare yourself to. And that's not because they're not doing amazing things. It's because it's not calling to you. We feel triggered by the people who are doing what we, what we would love to be doing in some way. So seeing that, that, mm. that comparison is actually a light calling you there. That, that's a great tip. Um, what, what about some of the people that compare themselves to others, but they're yes. envious and they're angry and they're the complete opposite? How do, so, how do you clear that, those blockages? I mean, the anger, the anger can often be directed at self versus it's easy to think, oh, I'm so angry at that person. Yeah. So it's actually, it's often a mirror and it's reflecting Mm. back on us, which can be really hard to (laughs) to, uh, receive that Mm. information that, because we don't want to think that we're angry at ourselves. But the first step there then is forgiveness of yourself. So you might write yourself the letter and say, Mm. I'm so sorry that you're not where you think you should be, but look at all the beautiful things you have done. And I talk about this idea in, in you are enough, but more so in my second book, it's all good, which is about trust and surrender and self forgiveness in order to move forward. But Mm. it's also about trusting that you'll get to where you want to be all in good time. So you'll get there or somewhere better. And sometimes what we forget with the comparison 
all the stuff that comes with comparison is that someone else has what you think you want, but there could be a version that is even better for you. There's a third option that you haven't thought of yet. There's another, you know, the universe is is conspiring in your favor to bring you something that is even better. Mm. And a really good example is my second book. That book came out of what I call in equity a business failure because I had been working on this huge project that I'd invested tens of thousands of dollars into and a, a whole year of, of my work and it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go and it took me so long to clear it and to forgive myself and to pick myself up and to move forward and all of those lessons that I learned about surrender and trust and forgiveness and and going with the flow and finding that joy in life when you trust where you are, that turned into a book. But if you told me during the business failure in air quotes that it won't go the way you think, but you're going to, you're going to write this beautiful second book. I would have thought, Oh, that sounds, that sounds cool. Like that could be, that's my awesome thing better from Mm. this situation, but because you can't see it yet. And because we don't know what's around the corner. Yeah. Calls on more self-trust. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, with my career, I went through a, f- a run of four years of injuries and it was you know, a tough time through that yeah. period. But that's the time where I evolved and educated myself around health and fitness. And that's why Matt and I work together. That's why I have my own business now. It's because of that those tough times, you know what I mean? You know, once they, say, write their letter to themselves, free the blockages, how do they then go and create the future that they want? What are the, some of the tips or tools that they can start moving towards to do that? So the first thing is, as you said, once you can clear those blockages and, and, and again, feel connected to yourself and to what you like to, to your version of your dreams, not to someone else's. The first step is to take action. So one tiny step is all you mm. need to create that traction to move forward. And sometimes people will say to me, oh, but Cass, I don't feel, I feel so confused. I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what steps to take. And they think that they have to feel really clear before they take their steps forward. But actually so often you get that clarity once you take the step forward. Mm. So you, you, you take action and then it might even be the clarity comes because you're like, no, wait, this isn't the right direction for me. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to let myself change my mind. I'm going to completely move in a new direction. But that you can't move anywhere without without moving somewhere. Like you have to take a step forward. And I run writing workshops and book writing workshops. And what I say to my clients is, you have you can't edit anything if you haven't written it first. So people are like, why is my book not ready? Why is my book not finished? And I'm like, well, you haven't sat down to write it yet. You have to go through it first. You know that book, Going on a Bear Hunt? <laughs> it's that we're going on a bear hunt and then they go, they get to like mud and they're like, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. We have to go through it. <laughs> and that's, you have to do that. You have to move through it. And it's the times that you try to kind of bypass moving through your stuff and taking action that you, you end up, treading water and you you don't move Mm. anywhere. So it's taking action. And then on the flip side, a little asterisk that is also knowing the season of life that you're in. So I had a baby last year. Was last year the time for me to build my business and grow Mm. my business? No, I had Mm. a newborn. So it's understanding that the season of life you're in will also dictate the level or the depth of action you can take and to have trust and and to surrender to that, to know that there is enough time for you to do what you want to do. There is enough time for you to work towards your dreams. There is enough time. And there's another beautiful quote by Marcus Aurelius. And I, I'm going to paraphrase him here. Love only what falls your way and is fated for you. What could suit you more than that? Mm. And it's the most beautiful, I'll say it again. It's the most beautiful, calming quote. Love only what falls your way and is fated for you. What could suit you more than that? So if you know that you can love what falls your way, 
And that is what's suited to you. And that's fated. Like that's coming. Mm. That's for you. That's written in the stars. And yes, it's written in the stars. You have to take action towards it. It's not just going to fall in your lap all the time. Sometimes it totally does, but it's about balancing free will with, you know, the the alignment of the stars in the universe and what's coming for you. Mm. But when you can tap into that, that idea behind that quote of, you know, what is, what is suited for you, what is coming your way won't pass you by. Even if the timeline doesn't suit your what your mind tells you, it's trusting the bigger, the bigger piece, the bigger play. You've stimulated about 700 questions in my head there, Cassie, <laughs> but I'll, I'll start with one. And I guess, you know, with someone who shares so much wisdom and has a great understanding of, of how people can progress their lives and, and elevate their well-being, is there the odd occasion where you go, Cassie, you need to take your own advice? You know, do you ever catch (laughs) (laughs) do you ever catch yourself out and go, you know what? It's it's good sharing this with other people, but I also need to share it Mm. with myself. Absolutely. So, firstly, if my husband was listening, he would put his hand up and be like, "I remind her as well." Um, (laughs) I am I am the absolute queen of zooming ahead. Like I could I could zoom ahead and worry and stress about something that's that's not going to happen in ten years. I really believe that the things that we teach or share with others are things that we have deepened within ourselves most of the time. So it's either something that we're continuously deepening within ourselves or something that we have deepened and then we're sharing the lessons or, you know, the insights. But all my three books are, it's like a timeline of my life, learning to accept myself and also learning that I'm not going to accept all pieces of myself every day and to be okay with that. Mm. Um, and to know that it's an ever, it's a constantly evolving journey, the, the, the journey back to yourself and it's all, it's always changing. And then it's all good is all about it, that. As we were saying before, like that um, period of my life where I was so, I was fighting against what was and, and teaching me to surrender to what is and to flow with that and to, to really allow myself to move with the current of my life instead of trying to fight and force and worry and dictate things by my mind instead of trusting, trusting myself, but also trusting something bigger than myself. And then my last book, Aligned and Unstoppable, it's all about using all of that guidance to come to that place within yourself where you feel truly aligned with what you're calling in and creating and, and moving into that next level and that next version of yourself. So I love to take my own advice because it reminds me that it reminds me that we're all, firstly, that we're always a student of our own of our own journey as well. Like we, there's, you never, we're never going to know everything and that's so wonderful. But yeah, I definitely have to take my own advice. And also when I do take my own advice, I deepen something within myself and then I don't always have to, but I often will share that with people. So that might inspire another blog post or an Instagram caption, which sounds, can sound silly, but like that can change someone's day or someone's Mm. moment, or it might even just inspire a change in behavior for me, which will change something that I, an interaction with my daughter or my husband or a friend. So absolutely. It would be shocking if I didn't take my own advice. <laughs> so again, just, I'm going to feed into that, what, what you've just shared with us. And we are kind of picking up that you've got a curious mind and, and you're very creative. And I'd like to ask you, first of all, at an individual level, how that creativity that you express you know, build your own well-being, but also what part it has played in in the books that you've written, as well as the the information that you share. Well, I love. I come from a very creative family. Um, my there's lots of art and painting and pottery, and um, my mom is an interior designer. My sister's an interior architect. My dad is a jeweler and um, diamond merchant, and he designs all his own jewelry. I could go on. Like, there's just it's my family 
knows how to make things look beautiful. And that's from like an aesthetically pleasing perspective, but also in a way that makes your heart feel really good. So I love being creative and I love trusting my creativity and I love helping others to trust their creativity. And I love trusting that you always will have more. There'll always be more ideas. There'll always be something else to make. There are so many ways to use our innate creativity to help ourselves heal and to help ourselves let go and to help ourselves move forward. And that could be cooking or dancing or singing. Like it's not about painting or drawing. It's, you know, that can be what you think of when you think of being creative, but it can be the way you arrange the scatter cushions on your couch. Like that's being creative or the way you have friends over and the way you, you know, prepare the brunch table, that's being creative. So it's about knowing that there are so many ways to use your creativity. And I think if you can find a way to make it, find a way that it helps you heal in some way, then that's amazing. So as an example, a few years ago, I went through a breakup about 10, 12 years ago and I wanted, I just needed to do something that felt creative and felt like I was going to be tapping into that. So I started doing, I signed up to an online creative writing course and it was this one month course. Um, it felt really cool to be doing it online because back then not, not as many things were mm. online. Um, but that was one thing years later, I was going through another tough time and I took up pottery. Then I took up painting. Like there's all ways that the being creative helps you heal. And then it teaches you lessons. So with the pottery, I went to my first class and I was like, I'm going to make a bowl. I made a blob. Like the, it was not a bowl. <laughs> pottery teaches you that um, you are not in control of the clay. Like, no, I shouldn't say that. It, you, you think that you're in control of the clay and then like one little flick of your thumb and everything feels ruined. Mm. And then it takes you like a whole nother, you know, set class to get that bowl looking like a bowl. But going to pottery taught me so much about surrender and my ego, my ego was like flattened. She didn't know what to do with herself. She really thought she was going to make a bowl first class. So being creative can teach us so much about ourselves as well. So again, I'm going to use that one of the words you use right at the death there. And we've heard it a bit from you now and, and the word surrender and a bit of a Michael Singer fan. And I, I, and yes. I, I love that, the, the process. Again, if you could share like a, some lived experiences or, or people that you've seen who've, who've been able to go through that surrender process to come out the other side because we fight against it, don't we, a lot of the time, particularly when we're being pushed. Yeah. One, by the way that our, um, our society tends to move us as what we, we class as being success. Mm. And a lot of times that has dollar signs with it. But how to surrender and, and how to make that a part of, of a healthy life. The first thing to understand is that surrender is an invitation to its being and not doing. And you hit the nail on the head when you said in our society where success is seen as, you know, the be all and end all, success is, is often seen as a lot of doing. But I think a lot of most of the good things in life come from that balance of, of mm. being and doing. And the being is what we spoke about before, connecting with your body, connecting with your breath, connecting with something greater than yourself, trusting yourself, sitting with yourself. That You know, there's that old saying, wherever you go, there you are. So the first thing to do in terms of surrendering is to sit take a breath. Like there's a pause there. There's that beautiful pause that you, you are in, you're invited to step into when it comes to surrendering. Our minds want to tell us that there is a, a list that we can tick off or tasks that we can accomplish in order to surrender. You know, if there was a manual on how to surrender um, and, it, and it promised everything, it would sell, it would, you know, be just falling off the shelves. But it's all about 
being. And, and one way that I explain it in my book, it's all good. Is I talk about diving under a wave. So a wave is coming, you dive underneath the wave, you take a breath first, obviously, and you let the water rock you. You're going to rock forwards and back or up and down. And then you come back up after the wave and you wipe the, the salty water from your eyes. And in the book, I, I say it could be sweat or ocean or tears, like it's, or all of the above. When you look around you and things look a little bit different and it was all because you took that breath, you dived deep and you just let yourself sway for a moment and then you come back up and you take another deep breath of fresh air. And that to me is not even just because of the, you know, the symbolism of the ocean and flowing and tides coming in and out and, and, and how nature supports the process of surrendering so much, but it's just the idea that when you need to surrender, you have to kind of go deep for a minute or an hour or a day. And then when you come back up, things will look different and they actually can feel so much. You feel so much more settled when you surrender because you stopped fighting and it doesn't mean that you're giving up. A lot of people think of surrender, like in a movie, waving a white flag, I give up, like I'm done. Mm. It's not about giving up at all. In so many ways, when you surrender, you step up, you step up into another version of yourself because you're not fighting anymore. And you actually raise your vibration because the fighting, the anger, the resentment, the agitation that you can create within yourself when you're not surrendering keeps you quite low. Like it makes you feel low. So by letting go, by stepping up, by surrendering, you get to take another step up into your life. And you also get to trust and something greater than you. It's that Marcus Aurelius quote, um, trusting that whatever comes your way, it's mm. fated for you. Like you're, you're carried by something else. It's it's up to you to take action, but it's not only up to you to get to where you want to be. Excellent. Uh, well, well Maddie and I can tell that you're passionate about what you do. Is there anything new in the works? What are you working on at the moment? Give us a little insight. There's an idea for another book, but I don't have, it's mum life at the moment. I don't have the time yep. that I, <laughs> not to say I can't create more time, but yeah, it's not, the right season of my life for another book yet. Um, I'm working on a bit of a rebrand of my business, which is really exciting. Um, just in terms of the aesthetics, like website stuff. And apart from that, I'm just doing the same, the same things. I'm doing some book writing workshops. I've got a few online programs and courses for creativity and business building. Um, I do some, I do private sessions and I, I do, I was doing a lot of speaking before COVID. So we'll see mm. when that kicks up again. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Well, let's share with the guests. How can we get in touch with you? How can we find you about all your programs and your books? So my website is CassieMendozaJones.com um, and I'm at Cassie Mendoza Jones on Instagram as well. And my books you can get from wherever books are sold. So online, in bookshops. And the last two books also have free, a beautiful bonus toolkit. So if people buy the books, just pop back to my website, keep your receipt and I'll send you the bonuses. That's so good, Cassie. So good. Congratulations on that as well. What we normally do before we let you go, because you thought you were out now, didn't you? (laughs) No, the change room's not. I'm so comfy. (laughs) We haven't haven't opened the door, so you're not allowed to leave the change room (laughs) just yet. so what are your, what we'd like to ask people, what, what are three, fun, three to five, we don't really care what the number is, fundamentals that you do every day to ensure that your state is, is preserved to where you want it to be or your well-being's elevated? So the first thing I do, what, like once I've got me and my daughter up is I go and get a coffee and it's just part of my, it's my, it's our morning ritual together. So we've, we've just moved apartments. So the, it's, it's taken a little bit of, you know, a week or two to find our new local cafe and to find our new walking route. But we live, we live close to the ocean as well. So I try to walk us a little bit along um, a little street that is right on the beach, which is lovely. And that is just 
I mean, it, it's non-negotiable, not because of the caffeine, <laughs> but because it just feels like a lovely way to start the day. And um, my daughter, yeah, she just loves the walk as well. And so that's one thing um, I love to get us outside. So we live on, on our street. There is a beautiful park with a playground and there's a beach. And so we, we kind of switch between the beach and the park morning and afternoon. So it's just lovely to get our feet on the grass, get our feet in the, you know, on the sand in the ocean. So getting outside is something that's really important. I have a little ritual that I started when Asha was a newborn and I, I make a cup of Earl Grey tea. I have a um, gluten-free, dairy-free Scotch finger biscuit. It's amazing. Not that I'm against gluten or dairy, but it's just the ones I like. And every once she's down for her nap and I've kind of had lunch and done a few things that I need to do, my it's just a ritual that I make my tea and I sit on the couch and I have my biscuit and I might watch a show or read a book. But that is another just non-negotiable that I love that I love to do. I also love to pull Oracle cards. So I might pull one for the day or I might pull a couple in the day. And that is just a little bit of like a, a guidepost. So I might have a question or something that will come up for me and I might just pull a card. And a way that you can do that in your own life if you don't have cards is to grab a book that you love. So a, some kind of personal development or self-helpy book and just maybe ask a question or have a thought in your mind and just open the book to a random page and just see what mm. what is on that page that can support your intention or a thought process that you're having at that moment. Did your um, card this morning say this is going to be the best interview you've ever done? <laughs> just it did. How did you know? <laughs> well, what did it say? What did it really say? <laughs> what did it say? Oh, this morning was um, was t- a few a few fell out. I can't remember. What, I remember two of them. One was timing. Oh, one was tiny and one was rest and restore. Um, and it's funny because this after, after our interview now, I have one hour before I pick up my daughter. And this morning I was thinking, what am I going to, you know, what am I going to do in my, in my extra hour? Mm-hmm. Um, there are a million things I could do at home. We just moved. Like there's one more box I have to unpack for the office. Like there's stuff I could do. But my, my thought this morning before I even pulled the card was I actually want to rest. I want to lie in my bed and read. Mm. Um, I, I just want to do something for myself that has nothing to do with Hmm. any yeah with with stuff for the home or so that 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 those two cards timing so it's trusting the timing of like this is the right hour for me to be doing this and the the rest and restore so just taking that time for me yeah awesome very well, good. Well, Cassie, yeah. speaking of taking time and we, we want to give you that opportunity to go and lay down because <laughs> Anthony can be very, very exhausting, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not taking any responsibility for it at all. But, we're, we're, look, we're so grateful for you taking the time to, to share, you know, your wisdom with ourselves and, and our listeners and, and, and again, I just encourage everyone to, to go to your, your website or if they want to read your books to, to go wherever it is that they can to get access to your books. And, again, thank you so much for the, for your time and for your wisdom this morning, thank Cassie. Thanks, Cassie. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I loved chatting with you. Thanks for listening to The Change Room Podcast, a whiff of well-being with Minnie and Matt. For more information about The Change Room, please head to thechangeroom.info.